Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash using your power. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And for today's show, I'd like to recommend Believe in Yourself by Dr. Joseph Murphy. Talk about epiphanies. Welcome to Using Your Power. I'm David Andrew Weave, and joining me is... Levine Cora. How are you doing, Levine? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm powered up. Yeah, how's your weekend? Well, I guess I, I did a show out in the South Calgary, and that was a lot of fun. Got paid a little bit of money to do that. So, I guess Friday, actually, you and I went to that networking... I guess not networking, but like an info seminar... That's correct, yeah. And then later that night, I had a show down south. So it was a bit of a drive, and, you know, I was kind of tired that day. But it went really well. The The waitresses there really enjoyed it. And one of them even said she was, like, my favorite artist that had played there so far. So that's good to hear. Oh, wow. So she's digging uh, what you were playing. Yeah, she's digging the music. Nice. Yeah, and that was a paid gig that I did. And I guess I didn't have anything specific planned for Saturday, Sunday. I took Saturday off, rested, and did some work on Sunday, basically. Nice. So I did the exact opposite. I, I did a non-paying gig, but you know, I did it for a, a great family friend. So I don't mind on uh, Saturday, I actually... Uh, photography? Yeah, volunteered to do the photography at uh, my friend's engagement. So that went very well. I think I did uh, 950 pictures and, uh, you know, uh, it was pretty interesting, right? Just trying to capture uh, the moments that people will remember forever. It's it's pretty pretty humbling when you when you start thinking about it right that you get to capture that moment so i had a i had a great time doing it and a bit of pressure maybe uh no no pressure you know you have a couple of drinks and all the pressure's <laughs> gone but i only had two so you know just kind of take that little load off and then just kind of enjoy interacting with everybody so you know when you're on your feet for 13 hours your, your back starts hurting after a while so oh no doubt yeah so that was good man i had a great great time and uh, i'm excited about the wedding it's going to be in uh, mexico here probably june july so i told my mom doing the photography then I'm, I'm gonna be enjoying the wedding the whole time so wait this wasn't photography for the wedding no for the engagement party for the engagement yeah party. Gotcha. absolutely i guess you probably mentioned that yeah i did but that's okay, <laughs> okay. i speak a little fast cool <laughs> today we're talking about epiphanies what the heck are epiphanies well, you know, I looked it up, and uh, everybody here will be surprised to know that an epiphany is uh, the day the three wise men visited baby Jesus on uh, January 6th. Fascinating. I'm not sure if that's what we're trying to get at here today, but uh, I love you working that in there. Yeah, you know, for sure. You know, uh, it was just something that showed up, but I mean, it, it is kind of an interesting thing, right? It, it was an epiphany that the three wise men had. Uh, that they knew they were going to go somewhere as well, right? Uh, so they knew it before it even happened. So they had they had gathered their items that they were going to take to give to, to I guess, uh, Jesus's family or baby Jesus's family in this case. Uh, so it was an epiphany they had. So I'm wondering almost if, if an epiphany is something that was named after that mm. event or not. But uh, That could be, yeah, well, that'd be a valid theory. Yeah, so, but, you know, we're not really going to be going deep into that uh, theory here. We're just going to more go into uh, our talk on epiphanies and and uh, you know what we what we think and we're going to explore each other's uh, examples here that's right it's it's like a realization an instant awakening in japan they have a word called satori i think marketing expert 
Eben Pagan actually said Satori, but in Japanese it would be pronounced Satori. So those are a few, what would you call them, synonyms to describe the same thing of what an epiphany would be, which isn't to say it might not have some differences, and we might even talk about some of those other things in, in a future podcast, but for now we're focused on that epiphany. So that should at least set the ground for what we're about to discuss. Absolutely. Uh, why don't you start? Excellent. I wanted to talk about where do epiphanies come from? Because when you think about the term instant awakening, what you realize is that it seems as though epiphanies perhaps come out of nowhere. Part of it, I think, is that we take in a lot of different input. So I know that I do a lot of reading. I know that Maveen, you do a lot of reading and some of the people we know watch videos or do some reading or find some blog posts or videos or whatever it is, they get into those things. And maybe even a TV show or a movie sometimes can impart some wisdom or some ideas or plant some seeds in you, same with the media, that later come together in in unexpected ways in your mind. So all these different stimuli, they coalesce and they kind of create this big stew within your brain and over time some of those things begin to come to the surface, your subconscious mind is always kind of working on them to formulate ideas and perhaps epiphanies and realizations. So I think that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, fair. What do you, what do you, what would you say? Where do, where do epiphanies come from? Wow. Um, the way I would think of an epiphany coming from is, you know, I think, uh, it's something internal. I think it's a feeling that you may have. Uh, it's hard to say, you know, if we do z- use the example here of the three wise men visiting baby Jesus, they knew something before it happened, right? So uh, sometimes I think it is an eternal thing. Maybe it's something that you're born with. Uh, I don't know if it's something in your DNA that kind of pushes you in that direction or not. Um, I think sometimes it is maybe something from a past life as well. You know, maybe that's something that was incomplete that now you get that message back and you got to re-focus uh, in that direction, right? It's kind of uh, so much of the example that I, I was uh, talking on a previous episode about the bird flying over the mountain and, and it went over the mountain and uh, with a silk scarf in his mouth and wears down the mountain. And we've been doing that same, um, you know, we've been going through the same process for the same amount of time it would take that bird to wear down the mountain. So it's maybe in a, something that we haven't, Uh, completed yet even potentially if an epiphany is part of your dna then what causes it to surface why don't you just know why don't you just have an awareness the moment you're born Wow. Um, you know, part of it, I think, may have to do with, I think we have to go to a process to be ready for that moment. Hmm. I don't think everything can be done in the, from the time we're born, right? We're, we have to go the, through the process of learning how to walk, we have to learn to talk. We have to learn to use our motor skills again. We kind of have to learn to go through school and become that person, right? Because whatever path we ultimately choose to go down uh, may have many different epiphanies actually as well, right? We may not just have one different thing that we're going to realize in our whole lifetime. Uh, I think if, if I decide to become a murderer, that may take me down a different path, to, you know, and I may realize someday, hey, you know what, what I did was probably wrong and I may have some sort of clarity. Um, but if I become a business owner and decide to help pe- people all over the world, that may give me a different kind of clarity and say, you know what, I, I want to now start dredging wells for people, right? And that's the way I want to. So it, it could be, I think, depending on the path you take, the epiphanies can be slightly different as well. 
A lot of people don't really believe in the idea of predestination or fatalism, right? And I agree. But to that I say, what about your DNA? What is written on your DNA that causes you to act the way you do, to do the things that you were wired to do? And written on that DNA is almost your life story in a way because you're now acting out and carrying out the very things that were instilled in you the moment you were born. Right. So it's not like necessarily you don't have any choice. I think we all have choice as far as what direction our lives will go in. But the way that you're talking about it, Maveen, we get realizations over time because of the events that present themselves. But maybe those events don't present themselves if you weren't you, if I wasn't me. Hmm. Good. Uh, that's a good point. You know, I'm thinking about DNA as well. Now, this might go off on a little bit of a tangent, and some of our listeners may enjoy this viewpoint. Some of them may not. So take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, talking about DNA as well. Now, if we go deep into our ancestry, it's really hard for us to know uh, necessarily where we've all come from, right? I mean, there's the Bible version of where we've come from, the religious views of where we've come from. And then there's the scientific view uh, of where we've come from, we've evolved. Yeah. And then there's the, you know, different theories like, uh, ancient astronaut theories as well, right? Saying that people from different planetary, um, I don't know, galaxies have visited us here and they have also spliced their DNA with our DNA. So is it possible that our epiphanies are coming from a different galaxy because they're already built into who we are, right? So that's just a, another theory that's out there. I mean, there's a lot of support for that theory if you actually look at some of the, you know, just all the stuff that's on our planet Earth right now, right? You can see uh, the way the, the DNA has been potentially spliced between um, beings from a different planet and ours. To add to that a little bit, I think Napoleon Hill often used that word ether. And that's not a word that we use in everyday common use language at least where things are today here in the digital age and i think if you look up the definition it kind of makes sense what the ether is but he's sort of describing the thing that exists beyond where we can see it's almost like it's out in space or something like this ether or mass consciousness perhaps maybe the zeitgeist is informing us and depositing thoughts or ideas or feelings within us so that's also one way of explaining or looking at it. But I think it's really interesting to th think about ultimately what it is that Napoleon Hill was alluding to when he said the ether. What, what is it about the ether that causes us to think and grow rich? Because he's obviously talking about thought. That's what that book's about. It's not about like act and grow rich. It's think and grow rich. So how you think determines how you act. And then acting over time consistently creates the habit. Right. So it's your thought that's going to create the directions that you go in, right? So I think those epiphanies that you have are always in your thought as well as what you're trying to say. I don't know if those epiphanies are in thought, but maybe they're in mass consciousness thought, right? Not to say that they are in your thought, maybe in your subconscious mind. And that's one explanation too, is like it, your subconscious mind is now surfacing. I guess I kind of explained that earlier already, but your subconscious mind is surfacing thoughts 
or is putting together the information that it has absorbed over time right. and then formulating ideas around that. Well, what about the idea of that maybe some of that uh, that information is in the gray matter, of the, that area of the brain that we don't supposedly use quite a bit, right? And maybe what if that information is, is tied up in there and we slowly, it, it kind of leaks out <laughs> as it needs to, uh, you know, just kind of an idea like that too. So I think what you're talking about there is basically the central part of the brain that operates the nervous, uh, not the nervous system, the limbic system, basically what controls the movement of your, your hands, your limbs, and so forth. And that part of the brain has no language. And it's also the part where our motivations and drives and our, I guess another way of saying it is our why, quote unquote, is, is all, all exists, which is why people have trouble explaining what their why or their, what their motivation truly is. Mm, maybe. I'm not very familiar with the scientific background, so <laughs> I will have to believe you on that one. Uh, all, I, uh, all I'm just throwing out the idea is... you said is, it was the part of your brain that doesn't have language. Yeah, right? or so, not necessarily language, but that dark matter, right? So if that's the part of the brain that doesn't matter, have language, okay. absolutely, right? Because I know we hear about that, you know, we only use uh, maybe 10% of our brain and, and, and for thought and for creating everything we want to create in our lives. And if there's this 90% of the brain that's not you know, functioning, and I'll put that in a quotation. So what is that 90% being used for? What thoughts are coming from it? What is being originated from that? And potentially it's it's wisdom uh, or epiphanies. Yes, exactly. I just wanted to define ether because I don't know if I explained it that well. And I think when you hear these descriptions, you'll, you'll understand a little bit better. I would say in the context of what Napoleon Hill is describing, there's only two definitions that seem to match out of the five that I'm seeing here on dictionary.com. But the third one, or the first one in this case, is the upper regions of space, the clear sky, the heavens. Okay, so he's describing something that's up there. Or... The other one is the medium supposed by the ancients to fill the upper regions of space. People are going to read that definition and go, what in the world does that mean? Just like I'm going right now. Right. Well, I think based on what I was saying earlier, right, if you look at the ancients and people potentially coming from different galaxies and, and potentially having the ability to uh, change our DNA or splice their DNA into our DNA, uh, that would actually mm. be explaining uh, the upper regions of space. So that's the outer regions of space uh you know the clear sky well that's just you know coming down maybe uh from the clear skies or the heavens right as it says here the heavens there it's thoughts in the heavens so uh it's potentially being thoughts are being coming to us maybe from somewhere else right so uh not within ourselves potentially but uh if that dna is not all ours potentially so that means those thoughts aren't all ours either hmm. uh so potentially that's where that 90 percent of the dark matters i'm not too sure right i'm not a scientist all i have is an idea or a thought process that maybe that's where it comes from well i like your ex extrapolation there because most people would just read over that definition and move on and say i don't get it or i'm not really sure what that refers to but you're saying that could refer to aliens that could refer to alien dna that has also become a part of our dna in some way right i won't use the, the word alien myself just because i don't know right I, I don't know what an alien is i don't i don't like the definition that it's uh, hard we to have describe. created for it yeah you know uh, the way that i've looked at it the way i've read about it is is potentially 
potentially, you know, other human beings, other life forms coming to our planet, uh, potentially. And if, again, like I said, if you look at all the, the the history, everything that's kind of written in the books, and if you look at, uh, you know, all the different pyramids and, you know, all the, if you look at Egypt and all the different gods that they had there, uh, there's, there's a, a link between all of them and all of them are pointing upwards, right, to the sky, the sun god and all that kind of stuff, right, too, right? So, I mean, there is some sort of uh, potentially information pointing up for us to get back. So I, I think the ancients knew something we don't know. Uh, you know, I, I do feel that they've had way more epiphanies than we possibly could have, or maybe they didn't have any, and they were just given this information from uh, people from beings from another planet or another world. I mean, mm. there's a, a great book, um, Chariots of the Gods. I'm not sure if any, anybody out there has read it. I'm not sure if you read it, David. Uh, I actually just recently read it. Um, I enjoy watching a program called Ancient Aliens. So it's a pretty interesting book that was kind of uh, started that show off. But uh, he talks a little bit about how, you know, it takes about um, for every one uh, light year that we could travel in space, um, it would be about 10 years on the planet Earth. So if, if someone was coming back after 10 years of traveling, well, 100 years would have passed on on Earth. Yeah. So, I mean, is it possible that things can change in 100 years on Earth? Absolutely. But people coming, you know, back 10 years from now from space wouldn't really change much because I know we don't, as a human beings, uh, change much in 10 years, right? If we look at ourselves, potentially, right? I mean, if we take care of ourselves and we eat properly, as which I'm assuming you would do when you're in space, you're only going to get so much certain food, you so many vitamins. Yeah, you're not going to age as quick, quickly as well. So, I mean, absolutely, that can be a possibility. And, and that's what that was about. Well, here's a word that seems to allude to that. So to me, that alone is fascinating. But I won't go on and on about ether. Let's get into one of your points there, Matt. Absolutely. So one of the things that I liked about it was uh, understanding the present based on past performances, and I think we've kind of talked about that. Uh, reading books, you kind of mentioned that as well. But sometimes an epiphany can come based on conversations we have, mm-hmm. uh, potentially dreams that we have. I'm not sure if everybody here uh, remembers their dreams when they wake up. I know when I have yeah. a dream that's very vivid, I'll actually wake up and write it down right away. I'll write down the details of it, exactly what happened, who was in it, if I can remember where it was. Uh, mo- all my dreams are in color, so I do know that. None of them in black and white. Um, you know, Sometimes through meditation study as well, that, that can happen. And you can gain insight to, to things that you weren't really aware of. Uh, and, and again, meditation, again, the idea of, of meditation is, is if, if you get into it, doing it properly is the ability to even leave where you are and go out and get the uh, information you seek from the heavens or into outer space. I know this might kind of sound weird to a lot of people, but when I do meditate, sometimes I envision myself actually uh, hovering above the earth and viewing the earth from a different space Mm -hmm. so I can really just have a really an appreciation for where I sit in in my room but also for the planet that we all you know I'll uh, I'll live on right now right so that's the whole idea so I can look at and say you know why do I litter or why do I uh, dirty up my water why do I throw that on the ground so I really look at different things in different ways and I see the earth in a different way if I can see it from a, a different vantage point right That's fascinating. And what that caused me to think about was the similarity between epiphanies and inspiration. You talk to any songwriter and and they will tell you that 
it seems to come from spontane spontaneous inspiration. I'm using <laughs> inspiration within the definition of inspiration, so that doesn't really work. But <laughs> I think you get what I mean. It sort of comes to them spontaneously as if a sudden realization. So it's a lot like an epiphany or an instant awakening. So that similarity is pretty fascinating. And it can come really from nowhere. Like part of what you're saying is it comes from stimuli. So you could meditate, which is sort of the absence of thought, but not completely because we are human beings and we can't completely eliminate thoughts or feelings within us. It can come from books. It can come from dreams and movies and all kinds of other things. But it can also seemingly appear from the absence of stimuli. When you're, when you're still, when you're when you're quiet, when you're just listening or just meditating or thinking, that's sometimes, or when even when you're not thinking, it can suddenly come from you. I don't know if we can completely eliminate stimuli because if our eyes are open and we're hearing things and our senses are working, then we will always connect with something that's going on. But both, both stimuli and absence of stimuli seem to be able to produce those instant awakenings sometimes. Right. You know, I used to think that all the time too. Like, you know, I'm going to meditate. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to try to lose my thoughts. I'm going to sit there and and focus on my breath. And absolutely, you know, there's nothing wrong with focusing on your breath. And if if you're taking up meditation for the first time, I would recommend that myself. Focus on your breath, count to four, maybe breathe in, breathe out, and and get that relaxation that you want from the meditation. But I do feel once you've, uh, I want to say mastered, and master is a very tough word for me to use because I don't even think people can master breathing sometimes times counting to four without any thoughts Um, but I found in my meditation that I didn't want to get rid of my thoughts I actually wanted to write down my thoughts so I started actually keeping a notebook and a pen next to me when I do have these thoughts because I believe those thoughts are coming to me from somewhere right I know they're within myself Uh, they're within my conscious mind or unconscious mind Uh, they're potentially from dreams I've had as well right so that's what reason I brought up dreams because you're talking about songwriters earlier and a lot of songwriters will say that they've had dreams about lyrics that they've written Mm. and then they'll perform that song well where did that lyrics come from it came from within themselves and they were potentially in tune with themselves to hear what needed to be said and brought out now is it potentially and here's something a little bit different as well uh and this might connect dreams in a slightly different way but when i was a a kid too i remember one of uh when i was in elementary a child one of the kids that told me was that there's me here on this planet and there's me somewhere on another planet uh, distance. And this was very interesting because this was like a, an eight, seven, eight-year-old telling me this when I was seven, eight years old, that there's me somewhere else as well. So what if that somewhere else is connecting to you through your dreams and telling you you know, what to write and what to say and how to inspire you from somewhere else? Maybe like we're using the word, right, from beyond, from in the heavens, right? So, I mean, within the, the word wording, it can make sense. With the power of dreams, which is perhaps a whole other topic we could get into. There was one time my cousin committed suicide. So within my dream, I'd sensed something. I don't really remember it anymore, but I know that when I woke up, my phone was ringing. And when I picked it up, my sister just said, come on over. You need to come over right away. And so that's when, you know, I arrived at my mom's house and, and you know, the news was, was broken to me. But I had sensed it beforehand that my cousin had, and that might have been the, the exact moment, in fact, like, or at least close to when he actually died, when he actually passed away. Or maybe you could also say that 
maybe he became spirit form after dying and then visited me in my dream or others in, in their dreams. And I think my mom actually even expressed something similar that he had come to say his goodbyes in her dream. Wow. It's crazy. That is crazy. And, you know, I don't think you're the only one who's experienced that. I think just a no. lot of people listening to this that have probably had similar similar experiences. And I think I've shared this with you as well. Um, my cousin's grandma, who have always ex- you know, expressed as my own grandma, my own flesh and blood. Although she isn't, I've always thought of her the same way. And uh, it was interesting enough, I actually introduced her to my wife in my dream as well, right? Hmm. She had never met my wife before, but years later after she had passed away, I guess it was still on my mind, uh, but she came to me in my dream, has has only come to me twice in my dream, has never come back again. But I got to introduce her, her to uh, my wife in my dream she said hi to her she she met her she said you know she, you gotta have a beautiful wife but then after me and my uh, my grandma here had a conversation she was gone and she's never come back so similar to what you said you know your cousin uh cousin right sorry my apologies that's right uh, he he when he left yeah he probably did come in in spirit form of some sort and, and tell you you know I, i'm on my journey out and uh you know I need you to need you to know, right? And maybe sometimes the best way to let people know is through a dream because, you know, there's less emotion potentially, potentially, right? I mean, I, I've heard of people waking up and they're just sobbing when they wake up after mm. their dreams as well. So, yeah. but I do find out when you, I do think when you dream something and because when we dream it, we think it's not real. Uh, we don't really attach a lot of emotion to it. So when we do wake up, we've kind of been uh, pre prepped i guess for the news that might be coming and we can maybe handle it a little better not saying that we're not going to cry or feel the emotion of the event but maybe we're we kind of knew it was coming so we can take it a little easier i don't know i've been rereading a book by joseph murphy it's called believe in yourself it's almost like a compilation of three different sermons or talks or speeches that he gave and it's so fascinating and this might even be like a separate conversation on religion and spirituality and what that means to different people but i think he's somebody that would say it's your subconscious mind he sort of equated god with sub- your subconscious mind in a way or at least that's kind of how i interpret his, his teachings, you know, he says, religion is all a construct of man. You know, here's somebody that was known, you know, in the Christian circles as a preacher and a speaker, but even he said, religion is just, it came from our imagination. And he's pointing to the fact that our subconscious mind, our imagination has that power. And so maybe part of what I I've experienced with my dreams and part of what you described about dreams there, Maveen, is due to that untapped power that we don't fully understand that's within our subconscious mind. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And there's a, I think that's what's called subconscious, right? I, I think we're not supposed to know everything that goes on in there. I think it will guide us as we need to be guided. I mean, obviously we do have free will. We can choose to to stay in bed today or we chose to get up and record like we did today right but um it was a conscious decision that we made but our subconscious is what woke us up mm. you know it, it could have been our alarm clock as well to but an uh, you know what i mean but uh even during the night if you get up and toss and turn it's your subconscious mind waking you up for you to take that make that movement and then go right back to bed right um so you actually knew, know it happened while but you didn't actually decide in your dream to say okay i need to get up make a turn so i don't feel comfortable anymore right your body just let you know because it it can feel things that you know you may not be able to feel uh, consciously right that makes sense i wanted to talk also about why we need epiphanies it seems odd that in a world where you know we chose 
well, at least I have a theory that we chose to be a part of this experience. We chose the experience on planet Earth. It was something that we all decided, for whatever reason, we wanted to be experienced within this human form. And because ultimately, I think we are spirit or we ha we are spiritual beings. So that's one way of at least explaining why we're here and why we exist. That somewhere along the line, we need to have these realizations to awaken or perhaps reawaken to the reality of the situation. And that's why I've hypothesized that epiphany is not an instant awakening at all. It's actually a way to reconnect with truth. <laughs> so because of all the busyness and noisiness and everything that happens around us, you could be in debt. You could have someone that's passed away in your life. Maybe you're experiencing relational challenges, whatever it might be. All that noise has made it difficult for you to see truth or understand truth or to really know the reality of the situation. And so the reason perhaps, and I'm sure you'll add to this, Maveen, that we need epiphanies is because we need to reconnect to truth at times. Absolutely. And you do, you are right. I do got something to say on that. <laughs> um, I think you're right. If you look at, if you go back to the ancient times, right? I mean, there was no technology from what we're told, right? But there was no TVs and there was no phones in our hands and we didn't have mm -hmm. music connected to our brains constantly. And, and we weren't, you know, uh, having to go to work. And I'm talking about ancient times, you know, even about two, 3000 years ago, uh, none of this was happening. People were had the ability to look up into the sky and just sit back and really talk with the elders and, and talk wisdom and talk about day-to-day -day life and how things were going to happen and what needed to happen for that society in time to move forward to the society we are today, right? So uh, all these things had to have happened, but I think the more and more we don't take the time to reconnect with ourselves, the more we're being just dictated through the agenda of, mm. of science and technology, especially nowadays, I find science and technology moves our agenda more forward than any other um, facet I can think of, right? Because, I mean, with the advance of cell phones, again, we, you know, we can do everything on there. It's a handheld computer. We can literally do anything we want to, find out anything we want to. And we're not taking the time to find out about ourselves. Instead, we're, we're taking that time to find out about everything but ourselves. That's fascinating. Is it like a form of escape? do you think that we're trying to maybe numb what could be very true and real feelings within with technology or outside stimuli so that we don't have to confront what might be difficult for us in this moment I don't think so. You know, I personally believe that, uh, like I mentioned before as well, right? I mean, we've had something in our hands, uh, at least I have since 1980. Since I was a little kid, I've always had something in my hands. I had a Walkman in my hand. I had a, a you know, a Discman in my hand, an iPod and a phone, you know, but I've always had something to stimulate my mind other than my own mind. Uh, but, you know, you go to school, you're not really taught to be a self thinker. You know, you're supposed to follow a formula in school, right? They have go to school, sit in your desk, the teacher's going to teach you certain things that the school system wants you to know, things that you do need to know for sure, um, like math, simple mathematics, English. You need to know all these things to be somewhat successful as you move through your life as well, right? Because if you don't even know how to add when you're older, it's going to be bad, right? And there's a lot of people that have no idea how to add, how to divide or multiply, and they have to use their phone to do simple addition and multiplication, right? So 
If you're able to do simple things like that, then you are using the power of your mind, right? You're instead of using a computer to tell you what to do, right? Sure. It's, it, it's so interesting. But uh, if I think if we go back, if to, you know, even if we go back to the the movement in the '70s, right, with the marijuana trade, uh, the, sorry, not trade, but marijuana and whatnot, right? I think a lot more people were trying to free their minds uh, with uh, illicit drugs and whatnot, right, with mushrooms and and whatnot. But that was allowing them to experience things that they were not able to experience because they were they, they were this control over them and they were trying to get out of that control system and then you go back into the late 70s to about the 80s and that control was put right back onto everybody right and now if you're looking at the way society is moving uh, with the legalization of marijuana in many different states and Canada also looking at uh, different options as well especially with the medication side of things uh, you'll see that a lot more people are delving back into uh, those drugs to open up their mind and uh, search for truth within themselves. But some people are using technology and other distractions to numb out the pain of being themselves, aren't they? Oh, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Okay. It's easier to not deal with the problems you have than actually deal with them, right? What other points you got there, Matt? Wow. Um, excellent. So one of the other things I was thinking about kind of goes along with what we've been already talking about uh, is, is it's an internal understanding of, of an event, right? So um, you may not know what that event is, but the epiphany can maybe show you what that is once you actually have it, right? Mm. So uh, it's uh, like, like I said, it's a deep understanding. It's a clarity. It, it's also something that can cause a shift in thinking. Um, I think once you it's hard for me to say because I, I don't want to I don't know an example that I can give of an epiphany that I've had but I know the people that understand the word epiphany and understand the I'm probably saying it wrong but it's okay <laughs> but once you understand the experience of what it has I think it does create a, sh- a shift in the way you look at the world the way you look at yourself even the way you look at others that fall into your world as well right I think it does change your life it changes the way you process things the way you go out and do things and I do believe it, it does change mindsets we often hear people say hindsight is 2020, right? Yeah. I think that's at least part of what you're describing. This idea that we can look back on some of the things that have happened, some of the events in our life, perhaps even some things that we struggle to understand because we just don't know why they happened the way they did. But given time and given maybe more time for your subconscious mind to process all of it, you begin to have an understanding or realization about the events that took place and why they were necessary or why they are now affecting you or how they're affecting you or how they're contributing to your life. Right. And I think, you know, when you have the opportunity to think about what's happened to you, sometimes you do come to that realization that those things needed to happen to you so you can move forward in your life as well. Yes. So basically what you're saying is sometimes we get stuck and sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we're not sure what to do anymore to see positive change happen in our lives. And that's why we need epiphanies. Well, I think, you know, when we're stuck, you know, like you said earlier, right, sometimes we choose to stay there and sometimes we choose to move out of that place we're in, right? I know it's uh, very biblical, but it's it, it, it pretty much sums up what the point is, right? You know, when you're walking through the, the valley of the shadow of death, keep walking, 
right? Yeah. They don't say stay there. It says keep walking through it. So whatever you're going through, keep walking through it. So don't leave yourself in a funk. Let yourself out of it and let yourself through it and 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 find what you need to look for, right? Because I think we all internally know what we want, but we find it difficult to sometimes go for our own goals. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we'll have this enlightenment that comes to us based on things we already know we want to do, right? So I, I think that does come. I think it, it comes to us more often than we think it comes to us, uh, but we sometimes miss out on it. And I think it comes back to us in a different way, uh, you know, shaken, stirred, and, and it'll come back a new way, right? <laughs> Enlightenment's another good word to describe epiphany. It's another great synonym. I have to say, sometimes I don't know where change comes from like i've been experiencing some shifts in my life lately a lot of the things that weren't really working or weren't really happening for me before i feel like are happening more now and i couldn't really explain the way that i've changed or why now things are suddenly better than they were before but i feel like you know i'm getting more recognition for my music for instance people are beginning to enjoy it more and but there was a period right before that where I was struggling to get people to enjoy my music and, and felt like it was like pulling teeth to try to get to people see the, the greatness of it. So I don't know if that's an epiphany. It's just a shift that's come about maybe because I'm continually improving and, and changing and becoming better, but maybe it's something else entirely that I'm not even aware of. No, you're right. And that's exactly what I was saying earlier. Right? You get that, uh, clarity and that clarity mm. causes a shift and that's exactly what you've gotten right i think gotcha. you've had the ability to you know keep performing keep playing music and keep putting out new music keep practicing and and, and that clarity of saying you know what I, I know i can play better or you know I, I should emphasize this word a little bit more i need to change my tone a little bit here i need to kind of you know just master the way you've put that whole song together as that keeps coming together more and more you start you know i think hitting people in different ways and different emotional heartstrings as well that they have and they can start relating to it as well right so you start saying oh it's an epiphany and which it could be right you've had that epiphany to change your style uh, because you knew something wasn't working for you right? and that's that clarity that you got once you had the ability i think to sit with yourself and say okay what's going on what's wrong with my music or not what's wrong with my music, but how can I get my music out to other people? And I think you asked that question mm. instead of the negative one. That's great. And that's something I'm more conscious of as we continue to record podcasts as well. I think we've had some really great episodes. And then there's a few where I don't feel like I was necessarily at my best. And I'm sure, Maveen, you could think of some episodes of, uh, that we've done together that you didn't feel were your best moments either. But I'm thinking more about how can I best explain this? How can I say it in a way that people are going to understand what I'm saying and fall, be able to follow my, my track of thought without getting lost in why I suddenly burst out with with some other uh, tangent or seeming tangent without any explanation for it. So I'm working on that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's okay too, right? I mean, I think sometimes that's how we talk and we're not really trying to talk... you know, we are trying to talk to somebody who's listening right now, but we are trying to have a very organic conversation. And sometimes, as we all know, sometimes yeah. conversations go in different tangents and, and they come back on track and they leave on, you know, they leave again. And, you know, I think we've done a great job on trying to bring things together and piece them all together for people. Yeah. And I think if you're listening to all the different conversations that we have and all the different podcasts that we have put out, if you listen to them all, you'll see how a lot of them will connect and the and the thought processes and all of them will connect and really start making sense to you right and and under in the understanding of what we're trying to say as well 
And here's another question that I wanted to ask. This is my transition. <laughs> Just so everybody <laughs> knows. Is can an epiphany be wrong? And I don't have the answer at all, but this is something that I'd love to talk about here with Maveen and kind of get his thoughts on as well. I have a feeling that epiphanies, based on my experience, can't be wrong, but my experience isn't anybody else's experience. So is it only right for me? And if my epiphany is that I should kill someone, then is it wrong or is it right? And I, you know, I don't want to cause harm to anybody on, on this planet. I have no intention whatsoever of killing anybody. And yet that this is the kind of paradox or quandary that we're in with this whole thing of an epiphany. Like if someone feels so right and true about something that's so wrong, can an epiphany be wrong or is it an epiphany at all? Uh, yeah, great. Wow. (laughs) That's a great, that's a, you know, a great train of thought. And I'm going to try to tackle the killing part first. I think if you have a a thought to kill somebody, I honestly do not think that's an epiphany. Mm -hmm. I really just think that's a thought that's internal, maybe caused from, uh, something, right? I can't say, because there's a lot of maybe anger, maybe past behavior, frustration. Uh, you know, I, I, it's hard to say why people sometimes uh, harm cats or animals as well. Right. So, uh, there's kids that'll do it all the time is maybe something that's just so internal. I don't think it's an epiphany they have to go and hurt something. I just think it's something internal, right? I think, um, and again, if I'm just looking at the 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 uh, example we opened up this episode with was the three wise men visiting baby Jesus, right? This was something that if we use that, it was a very positive experience. This was something of joy they wanted to bring. It was presence they wanted to give. So, I uh, and again, this was based on just something they felt was the right thing. I don't think it was the wrong thing at all. So, if it's if it's something negative in nature, I don't think that's what. Um, an epiphany is. I think they're usually are very inspiring. I've never come across someone that's had a negative experience uh, that wanted to have a positive experience. I think epiphanies are meant for people to have positive, uh, soul-searching, uh, future-guided experiences and i do believe they are Mm. supposed to be positive um if you end up killing somebody or you know molesting somebody or stealing somebody i don't think anybody can have an epiphany and say hey i'm gonna get up today and molest somebody i don't think that's a normal thing a normal thought as an epiphany i think an epiphany is something that's just so guided uh where you will change your life and the change life of others right Mm. and maybe that's just the way i look at it i really don't see it as a, a negative thing um and if you are having those thoughts you know i would suggest you talk to somebody right. uh, about that right because we're not uh doctors we're not you know no. professionals when it comes to that uh, type of topics but i do recommend to people anytime that if they are having those thoughts please seek out the right help i'm inclined to agree with you mav i think epiphanies aren't necessarily wrong but we can misinterpret signals sometimes as human beings as being a perhaps a realization or an epiphany when really it's just an impulse and an impulse could be a very different thing so also knowing that difference because an impulse is to buy something now because you feel like you should which you could regret later because now you have all this debt and all the the payments that you have to make to be able to pay off that money that you spent even though you know it was it, it was the right decision in the short term but in the long term it turned out to be the wrong decision because you spent money that you didn't have 
Right. And I, I do believe an epiphany cannot be wrong either. And I don't think you get the wrong ideas coming to you from, again, like we said earlier, right? I mean, these are really deep down uh, ideas that come to you from yourself. And I don't think you can have the wrong ideas. Can you act on them incorrectly? I do think you can because you may not know the right way to act on something. Um, we're all born not knowing how to do everything, right? We're only born, I think, knowing how to hopefully breathe and uh, blink, I think, and cry and ask for food, right? Um, but everything else is learned and we have to learn how to act on our impulses. Uh, we have to learn how to act correctly on our impulses, which I think is probably the best way to say it mm. uh, because there are wrong steps we can take, especially with people who have businesses, they, they know exactly what I'm saying, right? There's a couple different choices you can make and one choice A, choice B, or choice C, and A and B might be great, C might be not so great, but between A and B, there might be a better, right? It's kind of like when you're taking a multiple choice, right? There's always that, you know, two answers that definitely aren't right, and then there's two answers that definitely are uh, close, and there's always the best answer, right? And sometimes we choose the answer that's close, but not the best, right? And again, on the test, it's marked wrong, and uh, if we look at the slight edge principle, even if you take a slightly, uh, you know, incorrect step, and I'll put that in brackets, or in quotations, sorry, a slightly incorrect step can take you in a slightly incorrect direction, even though it's in a positive, uh, you know, positive upwards uh, direction. Or another way of handling it is to channel your impulses. I'm certainly not the master of that. But if you have inordinate feelings or things out of that are out of the normal, like extraordinary, like you are obsessed with video games or you're obsessed with a particular girl or a particular guy, channeling that into something productive, taking that same energy and placing it into something that will actually value and benefit your life and the lives of others is, I feel like, the right way to handle some of those more intense impulses that could lead you to the wrong act or the wrong behavior. Very good. And, you know, that moves right into my next uh, point I wrote down here, too, was uh, about comfort zones. Mm. And I think a lot of people, we need to question ourselves why we are in a comfort zone and how to get out of that comfort zone. And sometimes having that all-inspiring moment will let us know, right? And and when that does happen, you know, we have to be willing to take action on that and not be complacent. So something we've talked about before, too, is about being complacent. So find that reason not to be complacent because... The only way you'll know that is if you realize that you're worth more, right? If you're worth more than what you perceive yourself to be worth today. I'm not talking about a dollar value either, right? I'm talking about an emotional who you are, not just to yourself, but who you are to other people all around the world, right? And as soon as you uh, recognize that within yourself, and sometimes it takes a long time for people to realize that, right? And get out their comfort zones. Because, you know, sometimes we go to school and we're told uh, hundreds and thousands of times that we're wrong. You know, you talk to your parents sometimes when you're a kid and how many times did you hear, you can't do that or you shouldn't do that. Hmm. And, you know, as we keep growing up and up and up we get stuck into this little comfort zone of of not wanting to take chances and not wanting to fail and not wanting to succeed but i think if we sit down with ourselves and figure out hey how can we get out of our comfort comfort zone in a positive way you know we won't be as complacent anymore because we'll understand that procrastination won't get us to our life's goals that we want to be in and then we will be worth more to other people and worth more to ourselves and you know worth more to our own dreams 
it's like some of the realizations I've been having recently. Like you and I went to that info seminar and I think I even said to you, like, you know, this has got me thinking about how I do business right now and maybe some of the changes that I could bring. I think the the thing that I'm partly experiencing is is that I'm so focused on certain aspects of my business, such as content creation, which is kind of the marketing piece, very, very important piece of the entire business. But if I invest most of my time into that and less of my time into, let's say, product creation or the marketing of the content, because in content marketing, there's two words, content and marketing. So we have to market the content that we create, not just to create the content then maybe my time could be better allocated. So I'm thinking, how do I get more leverage out of myself and and my time? And I'm looking at working at a contractor to write some blog posts. So not the onus isn't completely on me in that regard. So then I can focus on business development activities, such as networking and meeting people, which we have done recently a little bit. So I can focus on guest posting to get more traffic back to my website. So I can focus on the creation of more products such as my my next book and that's something that i want to complete sooner rather than later because people are talking about it people are asking about it and it's still going to take a little while for me to do but if i commit to that a thousand words a day and continue continue doing that best to my ability even if it's not every single day i will get there sooner rather than later or at least i'll get to my first draft sooner rather than later yeah, you said it. And the interesting thing is I know just for our listeners, so they know what kind of uh, event that we went to was, yeah. we actually went to an event that was uh, doing business, uh, chi- uh, you know, China investing in Canada to do business with Canadians. So it's an interesting thing that you took all that information that you just said and, and took that from a talk that really had nothing, nothing to, to do, do with it. it. But you were able to relate the information. And, and and again, just going along with what we've been saying is being able to take information that may not have anything to do with what you're thinking about or the topics that you're you know you're listening to, but being able to relate them into real world life uh, examples that happen to you. And that's where I think the meditation comes in as well, right? Because you're able to take the, the, the information from the day that you've had, you know, filter it through and really understand how to apply that back to yourself, right? And you may have not done the meditation part to get that, but while we were sitting there, you know you're meditating on the words that are being said you know you're yeah. in thought and and even just being in thought not necessarily cross-legged sitting in the own position is not necessarily <laughs> meditation right it's yes. it's listening to the words that are being said and absorbing them and understanding how they apply to you so good on you man for being able to pick up on you know from the talk that we were talking about and we had a, a great opportunity to um, meet people we actually had a, a yeah. great opportunity to talk to one of the gentlemen there and ask him about real you know what's by business in China really like right you know tell us the the, tell us the real stuff I don't want to know what the news is telling me you tell me what your opinions were and I mean he gave us some great insight on what he thought the the Chinese business was really like in China where he thought the market was going based on his experience on living there so it was really cool to hear that kind of stuff and I think any anything like that where it's a, whether it's a seminar or just an exclusively a networking event, any event where there's sort of that networking component. If you're talking about comfort zone, I think it's just important to realize that everybody's there for the same reason. And we found that out too. A lot of people come up and shook our hands and we shook a few hands too. And so we, we talked to and met a lot of people that way. And, and you're right. We did gain that interesting perspective into current business in China and how things are changing with manufacturing and how that's moving to countries where it's cheap to do so 
you know, it was just a thing that it was, it was about taking the step. It was about doing the action. We didn't have to go to this event. It wasn't necessarily completely relevant to what we're doing right now, but we still took something out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm excited to put together a podcast on that event as well. You know, right. we'll do it uh, coming in the future too. And, and uh, look out for that, right? Absolutely. Did you have anything more to say about comfort zone? No, not at all, man. Great. I wanted to finish on this thought, but you might have others, Mav, so we'll still give you an opportunity to, yeah, to close as well. But. Why don't you let me go? Because I actually have two more points, so okay. uh, let's go into those before we get into closing. Sounds great. Um, one of the things I had written down was uh, our journey, our personal story is actually someone else's epiphany. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because you can read all these different biographies that we've put out, you know, that people have put out uh, autobiographies or biographies. And, you know, you can read about great people like Nelson Mandela. You can read about, you know, business people like uh, Bill Gates and, and whatnot. And you can read these stories and, and about Gandhi and, and Mother Teresa and, and be inspired. And those stories that we read about people, not even, you know, they don't even have to be... Uh, people that are have done stuff in this world i mean you can sometimes even find uh, positive news articles you know it, it's hard to believe but it's possible true uh, but you can find out about stories you know uh, there's that one gentleman um, uh, what's that movie called uh, you know where he had to cut off his arm because his arm got uh, uh, caught under a boulder right he cut off his mm. arm i think it was like uh, 48 hours or 22 okay. hours or something along that line yeah um, but you know that's an all-inspiring story too right and and it made me think you know if i was in that position would i cut my own arm off to survive you know and it made me consider the option man i don't know it's a very mm -hmm. tough thing but put in that position his life story inspired me to at least think about it you know could i do something like that and and it, it and it, and and it made me realize, I don't know, right? Until like sometimes people are put into those positions, uh, I think someone else's life story and that success of their life story may give us indications of where we are. I like that a lot because I listen to, I mean, various podcasts, a ton of different ones, but I'll listen to something like the Tim Ferriss show, which I don't listen to all the time, but somebody like Seth Godin or Derek Sivers are on. And these are the kind of people that I really resonate with, which is why they keep coming up and I keep mentioning them all the time. It's not like I listen to Seth Godin all the time, but he just kind of keeps coming up is I get so much from listening to them talk about what, what their routine is like, what their thoughts are on various subjects, how they go about solving problems, how they think about business and life and the various projects that, that they're doing. So it's very enlightening to me to hear about how they go about things. I think it, it provides a bit of an example for me and might give me some insights into what I could change or how I could continue to take my own path. Cause that's really what these guys have done. They've taken their own path. Dirk Sivers didn't even know that CD baby was going to be this big business. I'm not sure he ever intended it to be, but that's what it turned into. Right. And you know, and that's the idea of it, right? You, you, you nailed it, right? I think uh, the people that we listen to on different podcasts and books we read, uh, they do come become our mentors in a way, right? I mean, yeah. without them even knowing about it. But there's a reason, for example, all the people that, you know, we've chosen to listen to on podcasts, you know, we have a reason for it. We want that certain uh, growth from a certain type of mentor. And I mean, uh, we're able to get that sometimes for free. Sometimes you're paying for courses. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to different seminars to, to listen to the people, right? 
right? So, I mean, uh, it gives us the ability to tap into the life lives of different people, learn from their lessons, right? And I mean, uh, isn't that something that we all want to do anyways, learn from the experience of other people? And I think when you are able to do that, you can really start putting together a better life for yourself, right? Because especially if you have the direction you want to go into, right? I'm not saying that all the people that are listening to this show are not going in the right direction in life. Yeah. But really, I, what I'm trying to say is, you know, when you find the passion that you, you really want to strive for, you will follow the people who have the, um, you know, the uh, results that you're looking for. And you'll find ways to do it different than they did, right? I don't think we could all be Nelson Mandela and go to jail and spend all, most of our life in jail. But look at you know, there are other things that we can do. We can stand up for uh, what we believe in, you know, and that's kind of the message he was saying. I don't think he was saying, hey, go to jail, because if we put all the people who believed in something in jail, well, we'd be left with a bunch of (laughs) non-believers. I was at the question not long ago, and there was a discussion about, and that's one of the communities that, that happens every third Sunday of the month, and I'm also kind of the media, social media host, tech guy at, at the question. But there was this talk on butterfly or tornado, and I think it definitely lends itself to what you're saying there, there Mav. So both butterflies and tornadoes do have influence and immense impact on the world. But the thing about uh, butterflies, somebody like Rosa Park, well, it was a fairly quiet protest that she made about, you know, blacks being in a bust and that they shouldn't be segregated from the whites. And she is remembered in history, but certainly not remembered as much as some of the other revolutionaries that I'm sure that you could name. And those would be the tornadoes, right? The people that have made massive influence on the world that everybody knows their name, like Jesus or Buddha or some of the other names that you already mentioned, Mav. So that difference is interesting to consider. It's not that a butterfly doesn't have influence, but their, but their influence sort of spreads out. And maybe they, they were the instigators or the catalyst of the message, but they weren't the faces of the message. Fair enough. And, you know, one of the things I would like uh, yourself and maybe our listeners to think of, too, I don't I think when you have enough butterflies together, then you create a tornado. Absolutely. And the reason I say that is I don't think Rosa Parks would have been able to do much if Harriet Tubman, in this example, wasn't around because she sought for the freedom of black people as well from slavery. So if she wasn't around and had decided, hey, you know, we're not I'm I'm not going to stand I'm not going to stand against this and decided just to sit down and not take any steps. Rosa Parks would have not been able to have that example of someone like Harriet Tubman to do what she did, right? And then people like Martin Luther King and and uh, Malcolm X would have not, you know, had the stances they did. And even people like John F. Kennedy would have not had those stances, mm. right? So, I mean, because of the examples of other people, we create more butterflies. When you get too many butterflies together, they start creating a, a ripple and that ripple becomes, a, you know, a tornado in the in the end, right? I love that perspective. And one of my observations, too, was that somebody who is a butterfly in a certain area of life could also be a tornado in a completely different area of life. You know, I could talk about Derek Sivers or Seth Godin, but they're not directly involved in my life. I hope to shake hands with them and meet them and talk to them and read more of their books and all that kind of stuff. But they're not directly involved. Somebody like you, Maveen, is more directly involved. So in that, there, there could be that contrast as well of butterfly and tornado. 
Absolutely, you know, and I'll shake your hand right now, no problem, because I think it's <laughs> okay. awesome, right? Why not? Um, but you're right. I mean, it's trying to find the right people that are going to impact you, right? And and the people that want to impact you will make themselves shown, and vice versa. The people you yeah. want to impact, you will be shown in their life as well, right? And and that's actually funny, because that actually leads right into my next point. Although, it seems to connect with mine, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, I wrote that as a way. I wrote it actually as a, a business way, because I wanted to really think of some business examples, but what you just said I think kind of makes sense and hopefully the listeners can see what I'm trying to say here so one of the things I was going to say as a business way not just because you have a job in sales doesn't mean you want to sell you know I think just because people want to be successful doesn't mean they're going to take the right steps to be successful same thing if they want to be happy everybody says they want to be happy but they choose to still be sad sometimes and and not find that true happiness that they're looking for right Mm. and they're not looking for their purpose you know so what i was thinking about is sometimes you have to find that within yourself you know once you have that epiphany again Mm. you know you have to find it within yourself before you can sometimes allow other people to have it i know sometimes we always hear you know go out and help enough people and 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 you know you help enough people get what they want and then you'll get what you want but sometimes you got to get up out of your seat and you have to be happy inside internally at least one percent if you go if you're 100 sad you gotta be at least one percent happy to get up out of your chair out of your comfort zone and then try to go help people i know uh i believe that line is somewhat uh, zig ziglar line right help enough people get what they want you'll get what you want yep. but if again you can help as as many people as you want but if they're not looking for your help you know, you're helping the wrong people. So just make sure you understand that when you're on your journey uh, in life as well. I think that I told that story on the podcast before where I was down in California and I was sort of breaking down in front of my, my mom and my stepdad and saying, you know, I just don't feel like I'm connecting with that generation. Well, interesting. It was probably later that night or the next day when I went to a party with my stepbrother and uh, I just made a commitment to myself that I was going to be at my best. And so I was making people laugh. I was connecting with everybody there. And I was making fun of one guy. Sorry, man. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember your name. But, and and you know, I ended up having a great night as a result of that. So sometimes you're right. You have to find it within yourself to the change really that you want to see in your life. You have to find the courage and the strength within yourself to say, you know, I'm not just going to feel sorry for myself. I'm going to do something about it. Yeah, and you know, and you, and you said something that uh, actually made me think about this weekend again too. So I know um, about photography. I know I've always enjoyed photography. I love taking pictures, but I've always enjoyed taking pictures of things that don't move. You know, mountains. Mountains don't move. Trees don't move. Nature doesn't necessarily move a lot. You know, it doesn't have a long shifting period. It takes a long time for something in nature to move because, of course, the way the lighting and the sun and the sky and everything, right? But you know, when I had an opportunity to, to uh, take f- pictures of people, I had an epiphany. I actually don't mind because I had never mm. done it. I'd always thought, oh, man, I'm not going to be good at this. But once I started getting comfortable taking pictures of people and said, hey, you know what? These pictures turned out really good. 
I started getting more excited about it, right? I got mm, myself excited, yeah. right, from internally. And then I was like, yeah, you know, interacting with everybody, I was interacting with the crowd. And because I do have that personality, right? I don't have uh, the sit down, hey, I'm going to take a picture of you, click and walk away. I was really trying to, you know, play with them. The one lady's fixing her hair and I was like, hey, let me fix your hair for you. Just kind of joking around with her and, and, you know, and just making people laugh and smile and get comfortable to know, hey, look, I'm going to do the best job I can do for you. And I'm going to make you look good in this picture. So let me be there for you. Right. So it's kind of interesting, just like you said, until you had that realization within yourself, you then got out of your funk and started, you know, having a better time and laughing and smiling and it's maybe even inspiring other people that may mm. have felt the same way you did, but didn't allow other people to know about it. Absolutely. I think you do tend to enjoy yourself more. And it's a strange thing, right? Because you don't always feel like you want to press into fear. But then sometimes when you do and, and muster that courage to go through it, you suddenly feel giddy, you, you feel happy, you feel alive. Uh, and so I would encourage you to think about what it is that and it's never easy for any of us. It's not easy for me to think about what makes me scared or fearful and then pushing through it and doing something different. But what's waiting on the other side is oftentimes that excitement, that elation that you're waiting to feel, that sense of aliveness. Yeah, you're right. And that's exactly what's there, right? It's that fear sometimes will stop us from doing things, right? And as soon as we realize the fear of not doing something is actually pretty bad, right? I mean, even if you're scared, go through it, just try it. And you never know, right? And that's what I've kind of found out for myself. I was like, hey, this is not bad, man. I got some really nice pictures. I got some awesome shots. And, and you know, I had the opportunity to capture the memory for somebody. And, you know, at, at that final thought, that's what made me feel good, that I created that memory that someone else is now going to be able to hold on to for the rest of their lives. So... Awesome. Yeah, man. Anything else on that point? No, I'm good, man. I went through my five points. Awesome. I just wanted to talk about this idea that epiphanies are the catalyst for change because truth grounds you. It's like an anchor. It lets you know that you're on the right path. So when you discover that truth or uncover that truth, or really, like I was saying earlier, when you reconnect to that truth, you suddenly realize that you you've come to a place where the the thing that maybe you were you were doubtful about the thing that you were confused about the thing that you were frustrated about is now becoming clearer and you you're beginning to see the next steps you're beginning to see how to change how to act differently what you can do to now counteract some of those fears and some of those difficulties that you're having. So those moments of epiphany are significant and we tend to remember them and some, they seem to come sometimes seemingly out of nowhere as if inspiration, but when they're there, they can act as the catalyst for change. It lights the fire under you to get moving. I have nothing but absolute agreement on that because it's pretty much what we've been saying the whole time, right? It's mm -hmm. that w when you when you understand what change needs to take place, it'll get you out of your comfort zone. When you understand what change needs to take place, you'll change your attitude. Uh, when you understand what you need to do to get to where you want to be, you'll make all the changes that are necessary within yourself or your surroundings. So that means sometimes cutting people out. That means meeting new people. That means going to mm -hmm. events like we did, uh, even if they don't even make sense for us to go to, but it was a great two hour event. We got to meet some new people. We got to really find out what was going on. And we had the ability to do that because we stepped out of our comfort zone. Uh, we had the ability to listen to somebody else's life lessons, right? Because when we asked the questions, hey, tell me what's uh, what China's like, 
that information gave us the ability to learn more for ourselves because of somebody else's um, experience, right? So absolutely, I do think those things that we learned were also life-changing in the fact that we may not apply everything, Mm -hmm. but that information is now knowledge to us and that knowledge can be passed on as well. So exactly what I was saying before um, was if you know kind of you have information if someone says hey man i would like some help you now have this knowledge that could help them but only when they're ready for right you Mm -hmm. can't help people who are not ready i definitely agree with that as well well do you have any other closing thoughts I think that was my closing thought. <laughs> Excellent. I, I was going to say that, yeah, I think that the, this idea of, of epiphanies being catalysts for change also connects to what we said earlier about butterflies or tornadoes. So I'll let you think about that one. I won't even explain it any further. <laughs> no, that's fair too, right? You know, and, and maybe I do have a final thought. I'm going to uh, just based on what okay. you just said right now with the butterflies, I do think if you get enough people, which are what I think butterflies are, if you get enough people together for a cause that believe in changing something, uh, uh, you know, I think it'll cause other people to have epiphanies on the way they act. You know, mm. if, if you have a bunch of people in your neighborhood picking up garbage, uh, you get enough people to start doing it, you start creating that small wind, right? And other people see it in the neighborhood. They may not take action on it, but they see you doing it day in, day out, day in, day out, or every weekend or whatever it is. Uh, and they start saying, you know what, I can clean up around my yard. And then the neighbor says, I can clean up around my yard. And eventually you have the most beautifulest neighborhood, right? Because everybody then decides to be that tornado and not just be the you know the the one butterfly that's not going to do anything right i like that i like that well this has been using your power you can find us online at usingyourpower.com and we look forward to connecting with you thanks so much for listening thanks a lot have a great day